All right, it is Thanksgiving, and so it gives us an opportunity to talk about complaining. (laughs) And uh, moving from the complain line over to the gratitude line, this is what uh, uh, God is really looking for us as followers of Jesus, that we uh, would not be known as complainers, but be known as people who are incredibly, incredibly thankful. Now, it's difficult in our culture uh, to be thankful. It's difficult in our culture to be people who are constantly giving thanks to the people around us and, and giving thanks to God because in many ways we're living in a, a kind of a complaining culture. Uh, there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of complaining. There's a lot of, you know, this sucks and this is horrible. My day was bad. In fact, uh, studies have shown that the majority of people, not all people, but the majority of people complain about once a minute in a conversation. That's a lot of complaining. Uh, maybe they did that study around a bunch of negative people, I don't know, but, uh, but we, I mean, you spend a little time in our world, there's a lot of complaining. And sometimes we kind of like say, I don't like complaining, but in the next moment we start, moment we start complaining. Uh, we complain as followers of Jesus about, you know, things in the world, in the church, around us, going to my life. Uh, we go to work, we complain. We complain about the weather is too hot in the summer and too cold in the winter. We complain about the government. We complain about the government in the states, even though we're not the states. I mean, we love complaining about things. And part of this is just because uh, we live sort of in this, this rich culture. And it just seems to be that sort of the more rich you are, it's just harder to be, to be thankful. We forget to be thankful for the little things. It was a few years ago, there was a fellow, the covenant denomination brought up. He spent, uh, I think, about a week in Nelson. He was from Zimbabwe, super, super poor. But he could not get over the fact that we flush clean water down the toilet. Like, when's the last time you were thankful for clean water in your toilet? But he, he just had the heart, he says, I just can't do it. I mean, I mean we, we just tend to be just not thankful for little things because we're just so used to them. This is part of the, this culture they call the, the culture of entitlement or the, the sense of entitlement that we have. Uh, Dr. Paul said this, not Dr. Paul from the Bible, but Berkeley. There is something about wealth that gives rise to a sense of entitlement, a sense that one deserves more good things in life than others, which in turn gives rise to an increased or inflated sense of self-importance. That We just kind of think that we deserve all this stuff. And since I deserve it, that I don't really need to be thankful for it. That I deserve a good job, I deserve a great spouse, I deserve an, a church that just thinks and does everything that I want to do. I deserve, you know, uh, you know, a community that is awesome. I deserve the traffic to go the speed that I want to go. I mean, we just have this, this sort of sense of entitlement. And we've lost gratitude. Uh, this entitlement is like a cancer that kills gratitude. And we have so much to be thankful for. I mean, there's so many awesome things around us, yet... We just love to complain. In fact, I'm going to show a video clip. I think we showed this once, but it's so good we're going to show it again. Just kind of highlights this comedian C.K. Lewis speaking about how everything is amazing, but nobody's happy. Because everything is amazing right now, and nobody's happy. Like, in my lifetime, the changes in the world have been incredible. When I was a kid, we had a rotary phone. We had a phone that you had to stand next to. And you have to dial it. Yes. You don't, you don't realize how primitive, you're making sparks. 
in a phone, and you actually would hate people with zeros in their numbers because it was more. Right. Oh, this guy's got two zeros. And then if if they called and you weren't home, the phone would just ring lonely by itself. And then if you wanted money, you had to go in the bank for when yes. it was open for like three hours. You had to stand in line, write yourself a check like an idiot. And then when you run out of money, you just go, well, I can't do any more things now. <laughs> I can't do any more That's things. That's it, yeah. That was it. And even if you had a credit card, they, the guy would go, oh, can he bring out this whole shunk shunk? Can he write? Yeah. Oh, you have to call the president to see if you have any money. It's all true, kids. You had to call the president, yeah. It was ridiculous. Yes. Do you feel that we now, in the 21st century, we take technology for granted? Well, yeah, because now we live in an, in an amazing, amazing world, and it's wasted on the, on the crappiest generation of just spoiled idiots <laughs> that don't care, because this is what people are like now. They got their phone, and they're like, ugh. It won't. Give it a second. Give it. It's going to space. Can you give it a second to get back from space? Is the speed of light too slow? I was on. A, I was on an airplane, and there was internet, high-speed internet on the airplane. That's yes. the newest thing that I know exists. And I'm sitting on the plane, and they go, "Open up your laptop. You can go on the internet." And it's fast, and I'm watching YouTube clips. It's, I'm in an airplane. And then it breaks down, and they apologize, the internet's not working. The guy next to me goes, this is bull <laughs> Like, how quickly the world owes him something yes. he knew existed only 10 seconds ago. Right. is the worst one because people come back from flights and they tell you their story and it's like a horror story it's they act like their flight was like a cattle car in the 40s in germany that's yeah. how bad they make it sound right they're like it was the worst day of my life first of all we didn't board for 20 minutes right. and then we get on the plane and they made us sit there on the runway for 40 minutes we had to sit there. Oh, really? What happened next? Did you fly through the air incredibly like a bird? Did you partake in the miracle of human flight? You non-contributing zero. <laughs> You're flying. It's amazing. Everybody on every plane should just constantly be going, oh, my God. Wow. Yes. You're flying. You're you're sitting in a chair in the sky. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, but, but it doesn't—it doesn't go back a lot. <laughs> and it's it really. You know, here's the thing: people like they say there's delays on flights. Delays, yeah. really? New York to California in five hours. That used to take 30 years. <laughs> To do that, and a bunch of you would die on the way there and have a baby. You'd be a whole different group of people by the time you got there. Yeah, that's that's us, <laughs> complainers. So, what did you complain about this week? Uh, you know, I was uh, writing this. I was like, man, I complained about a lot of things, and I don't see myself as a complainer. But we complain a lot. Uh, we've got to complain about how early we've got to wake up in the morning, and we complain about, you know, our spouses or our kids. We complain about our drive. We complain about work. We complain about our employees. We complain about the waiter of the restaurant. I mean, we're really good at complaining. 
And in the midst of all this complaining, the Word of God steps in and tells us this. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Uh, some translations are complaining. Do everything without... Compl- it's one of the first verses we taught our kids. Do everything without complaining or, ar- or arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. And this is not just a verse to just to kind of memorize. And, and sometimes I think we do this with the Word of God. I mean, we, we think that it's enough as long as we know the verse. You know, as long as I memorize it, Jesus, I've got this verse in my head. It's kind of like, you know, if I... You know, I uh, told my son, Jeremy, hey, Jeremy, go clean, go clean your room. And he comes back 20 minutes later, Dad, I got it memorized. I got what you said memorized. Dad, go clean your room. I, I even know it in the Greek, Dad, go clean your room. It's like, that's not what I'm wanting. What I'm wanting you to, is to go clean your room. And sometimes we're like this with the Word of God. It's like, yeah, I got it. I do everything without complaining, but do we actually do it? Because James says we're not just to be hearers of the Word, but we're to be doers of the word. And God is asking us to be people who aren't complainers, that we would do everything, not even the hard things, without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked or complaining generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. I mean, one way you can really shine in this society is if you just don't complain. Is when they complain to you, you say, well, but I mean, I'm really thankful for this. Or you just always have gratitude and thanksgiving pouring out of your heart instead of complaining. Man, it, it'll make you shine in this culture of complaining. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we wonder, you know, what is God's will for me? I got all these directions. I could do this or this. And, and God's will sometimes can be a little complicated, but we do know one thing that part of God's will for your life is that you would be filled with thanksgiving, that you would be someone who actually gives thanks. And if you are a complainer and not someone who is constantly thanking God and being grateful, you're actually outside of the will of God. And I found myself sometimes outside of the will of God because sometimes I spend more time complaining than actually really giving, giving thanks. That he has called us to be people who actually give thanks in all circumstances. Note it doesn't say for all circumstances. And we don't thank God when someone steals our car or if we hit our, hammer, our thumb with a hammer because, I mean, Satan is the one who kill, steals and destroys. We don't thank God for things that Satan has done. But we can thank God in all circumstances, because we can always find treasure in the problem. We are to give thanks in all circumstances. I don't know if you've noticed lately, but do you know in the fruit of the Spirit that complaining is not in there? Man, you can look upwards and down, you can turn it sideways, and it's not that the fruit of the Spirit is, is complaining. The Bible actually says that we are not to complain, that we are to have hearts of gratitude. It even hit me when, I think it was Abby who said, we're, we're to enter his courts with thanksgiving in our hearts. And I was speaking of the temple, that you were, the temple was to be a place of thanksgiving. You were to go into the temple with thanksgiving. Now under the new covenant, we are the temple of God. And we are to be a house of thanksgiving and gratitude. Philippians 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, it says. And it's talking about situations where we get anxious. Situations that kind of tick us off because it's talking about anxious situations that in every situation, again, not just some, but every situation, there is this heart of just incredible thanksgiving. They're always looking for the treasure, those things that we can be thankful for because every good and perfect gift is from above in our situations. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, being unthankful is actually really, really bad for you. It's really, really bad for you. I mean, it's kind of like McDonald's. Uh, sometimes complaining can feel really good in the moment. I mean, when you just had a bad day and you just like blah, all these complaints and it just pours out. I mean, it can feel good in the morning, but, but in the end, it's always bad for you. Because that's what happens when you go to McDonald's. I mean, you go to McDonald's and it is so good. Man, I could just eat a Big Mac right now. It is so yummy. But for some reason, every time you eat it, like an hour later, you feel horrible, Right? I mean, if you ate McDonald's like every day for a year, I mean, every time it'd just be, because a Big Mac would never get tiring, I don't think, because they're just yummy, and fry, the McDonald's fries are amazing. It would be always awesome in the moment, but you would be sick. I mean, it would be horrible for you, and this is like complaining. It can feel great in the moment, but it is really, really bad for us. I mean, the Bible says, don't complain. There should be no grumbling or arguing or complaining within us, and there's a reason he says that, because he loves us. And I love it sometimes when, uh, when science finally catches up to the Bible, right? And uh, science, is, it's interesting when it comes to complaining. that They say complaining actually damages our brain. I don't think any of us would like, you know, I went brain damaged today. It, it happens from complaining. Uh, Stanford University says a half hour of complaining every day physically damages a person's brain. And yet... According to that other study, the majority of people complain at least once every minute in a conversation. And that means some people, especially women, because they talk more. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> hey, no complaining, no complaining. <laughs> Unless you start talking to like Troy or Robin or something, then they talk a lot, yeah. <laughs> or Chris Nijvalada, but... Where there are many words, there is sin, the proverb says. But, but anyways, this is only for those who complain, so it's none of us. It's not talking about us at all. This is not talking about us. Exactly, how does it damage my brain? Because we're, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we, we want to we be following and entering into the will of God. This is what uh, Entrepreneur Magazine just came out last month with this. said, repeated complaining rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely. Over time, you find it easier to be negative than to be positive, regardless of what's happening around you. In other words, it just kind of blinds you. Even though there's all these amazing things happen around you, the more you complain, the more all of a sudden you just see negative stuff until some people only see negative things. I mean, they have a room filled with all these wonderful things, but it's that one thing, everything, everything else goes black, and it's their life just is horrible, right? Over time, you find it easier to be negative than to be positive, regardless of what's happening around you. 
Complaining becomes your default behavior, which changes how people perceive you. And here's the kicker. Complaining damages other areas of your brain as well. Research from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinks the hippocampus, an area of the brain that's critical to problem solving and intelligent thought. Damage to the hippocampus is scary, especially when you consider that it's one of the primary brain areas destroyed by uh, Alzheimer's. It, it actually damages your brain. That's a good reason to stop complaining right now. I mean, uh, and so there's kind of two things in this. First of all, it damages your brain because it actually shrinks, shrinks the hippocampus. I'm not a doctor, but it sounds important, right? Uh, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> but complaining actually rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely. And so the more you complain, the more you complain. And then the, just, just the more you complain. I mean, you can picture it this way. That if you pictured like a, uh, a river and you just had no bridge there, because I think they say with your brain that, that neurons that fire together, wire together, you know, uh, that if you were to cross this river without a bridge, it'd kind of be hard. You'd have to climb down the bank and you have to, you know, pull up your pants or wade through the water and get up the other side. It would be pretty hard to cross that bridge. But let's say you lived on the other side, and you're like, I need to cross this river more often. What do you do? You'd build a bridge, because I'm going to cross it, so I'm going to build a bridge, and all of a sudden, crossing this river becomes really easy, and it's really fast, and this is what your brain does. When you start to complain, it's kind of hard at first when you're not used to complaining, but the more you complain, all of a sudden your brain says, you know, that's a lot of work to complain. Let's make it easier. Let's build a bridge, and your neurons actually wire together. And so the more you complain, it actually changes your brain to a place where some people have like a superhighway. And their default is complaining, and thanksgiving becomes very difficult because the opposite is true. When you fail to use connections in your brain, you lose them. And so all of a sudden, thanksgiving is like climbing through the river and up the other side, and complaining is just easy. And all of a sudden, driving to work is just complaining. It's always someone driving too slow, too fast. It's always the wrong car on the road. You don't see about the blessings that I actually can drive. I don't have to walk to work today you got to, if you've got a long ways. Uh, at work, you see all the negative things at work. You know, these people, these employees, and this, and this, and your day is just negative because you've just got the super highway built for complaining, and you're no longer grateful. It happens in church. I see this sometimes where you can start complaining, and all of a sudden you see all the negative things, and you can no longer see the beautiful things that God is doing because you've got a highway built for negativity. And the Bible steps in and says, there is to be no complaining, uh, that we are to be grateful and filled with gratitude. Uh, when God said this, complaining works like a muscle. The more you complain about things like flaky friends or being asked to push up a project's deadline, the more neurons in your brain stitch themselves together to easily facilitate this kind of information. Before you know it, complaining becomes so easy for your brain to grasp, you start doing it without even consciously re, uh, registering the behavior. Even if you're not the one doing complaining, engaging or encouraging negative or gossipy colleagues can have the same impact on your mental health. That's what Stanford University found, that it didn't matter if you were doing the complaining or you were just around people who complain. It had the same effects on your brain. And so we need to be lights. Uh, we need to shine brightly with not complaining but with, with thanksgiving. 
It's no wonder the Bible says things like this in Ephesians 4, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And so the bridge that God wants to see as the superhighway in our brain is not complaining, it is thanksgiving. That the first thing that we see when we walk into work is not things to complain about, but is actually things we can be thankful for. Because that's the bridge that is built. The, the complaining bridge is kind of hard for our brain to get through. So the first thing we see is things that we can be grateful for. When we're driving to work, the first thing that goes through our mind is that we can be thankful. The first thing that happens when we walk into church is we think, see that we can be thankful for. And that, again, the complaining road is a difficult road. Our, 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 we need to rewire our brains. I've been re- I need to rewire my brain that I might be thankful. Because somehow in this rich selfish, everything is about me culture, it has just caused me and probably you to think quite negatively and to complain a little bit too easy. Complaining also uh, blinds us from seeing what God is doing. Because complaining becomes the major default of our mind, God doesn't work in complaining. He's not about, he's, he's about every good and perfect gift comes from above. And when we focus on the negative, we focus on complaining, sometimes we can miss out on what God is doing. And we fail to see that God is even at work. This happened in the Old Testament, Isaiah 40. God says to this to his people, why do you complain, Jacob or Jesse or whoever? Why do you complain? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? They could not see God working. And they're complaining about it. And part of the reason I think they couldn't see God working is because they're complaining. When you start complaining and just focusing on God's not there and where is God and I can't believe this, my life sucks and everything is going wrong, you have a really hard time seeing where God is working because you're focused in the wrong spot. Do you not know, have you not heard? This is God's answer. Do you not know, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or, tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. The hope in the Lord. This is, God, I know you can, this this is not going well, but God, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you, and I'm going to have faith. I'm not going to live my life based on complaining and fear, but faith and goodness of the God above. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will not uh, walk and not be faint. Uh, We see this with the Israelites as well. When they were wandering in the desert, I mean, they just complained about everything. Uh, You read through the Exodus and some of the numbers, you just see they're complaining and complaining about their food and their situation, complaining about God, they're complaining about their leaders, and and even God gets a little uh, uh, grumbly about this, or not grumbly, upset or... Let me just read the verse. How long will this wicked community grumble against me, God said. I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. They're just complaining all the time. And God just said, this is hard. I'm trying to lead my people into victory, and they're complaining about everything. They can't see that I'm working. They can't see that I have good promise. They cannot see that I am bigger than their problems because they're just wrapped up in their complaint. That's what happens. When we start complaining, all of a sudden our problems get bigger than God. And we need to live the other way around. And finally, when these guys get to the promised land, 
And it's like their, their bridge for complaining was so big when God is about, I want to bless you and bring you into the land flowing of milk and honey. All of a sudden there's this report of these, you know, the people in there are so big, they're like, we can't do it. This is impossible. They just go right back in their complaining and they missed out on God's plan for them. Again, by complaining a lot, you miss out on the will of God. God's will for us is to be people of thanksgiving who would live in to where he is leading and what he is doing. And so we are called to be radically thankful. If you studied, as I did this week, about being thankful in the scriptures, you could almost say it's almost synonymous with being a Christian. It, it's, it's, it just blew me away how many verses talk about being thankful and being uh, giving thanks and there's not much on, it's great to complain. We should be complaining. There's not a lot on that. I mean, sometimes you see godly complaints. So there is such a thing. It would be a different message. But whenever you see godly complaints, you see it as complaining to God, as in the Psalms, because that's where you take your complaints primarily. You see uh, complaining to which people are asking, this is a real situation like Nehemiah complaining about the broken wall, but he asks the question, God, what is my part? How can I make a difference? And he goes and rebuilds the wall. I mean, there's, there's comp- you never want to complain without a vision to change it. And so he says, be thankful. Uh, Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. I mean, how many of us devote ourselves to being thankful? Not me. Uh, Joel, all right. Yeah, you need to pray for us, Joel. Yeah. Uh, Psalm 95.2. Let us come into his presence with, again, this verse, with thanksgiving. We are the temple of God. We are to be people who are filled with thanksgiving. And here's one that'll get us all, because 1 Timothy 2 even talks about the government and being thankful. I urge then, first of all, that prayers, uh, petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And who are the all people's talking about? One of them is actually our government for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Now, we say, well, we can't be thankful for our government. We definitely can't be thankful for what's going on in the States. I tell you, it doesn't matter what government we have. It's not as bad as the government they had in those days. And yet Paul says, I want you to be thankful they don't thank them for their sins and their crimes and their, you know, their unchristlikeness. You don't thank them. You don't thank God for sin, but you can find treasure. You can thank God that we don't have a government like Hitler right now. We can thank God that we can worship in peace. Where a lot of countries, people would just be so thrilled to be able to come and meet like we do. And we just take it for granted. To be thankful, even in those difficult things, to be thankful even for our governments. And, I mean, how many times is there, I mean, there's just always more complaints than thanksgiving for a government. And the Bible is saying that we need to be thankful. That's hard. It just shows you how much of a complaining culture we are. Uh, First Thessalonians, it says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, that no matter what's going on, that you need to find that treasure, and before you complain, because the Bible says do not complain, you want to be thankful. Be pulling out those things that you can be grateful for. We see Daniel doing this in, in the Old Testament when the law was laid down. You cannot pray to anyone except for the physical king of the land, else you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. That's not very fun, but what does he do? 
It says three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he did before, that he could still find things to be thankful for, even though he was being threatened with death. We've got to look for those things to be thankful for. We've got to develop that thankfulness within our hearts. Troy read this earlier. Uh, I'll read it again. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. And then he says, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Those who are going through difficulties, those who are suffering, those who are struggling, there is still things to rejoice about. And if you can't find anything to rejoice about, you can rejoice in our God. And Jesus who came down and loved us beyond any love that we could ever, ever experience who has washed away our sin, who has brought us into right relationship with the God of this universe, who has given us a hope and glory in the future that is just unbelievable. I mean, if you just all else fails, you can just be incredibly thankful for Jesus. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together, even the afflicted. Now here's uh, the main point of the message, and we'll close with this. And this was a challenge for me. I had never seen this before. Maybe I just missed it. Maybe I was just not very smart. But this blew me away. And this is like, I want to change my life in this area. And that is this. It says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Over 70 times in the Bible, it tells us to give thanks. There is a difference from being a thankful person and for someone who is someone who gives thanks. And I would always describe myself as a thankful person. You know, I'm thankful for all the stuff and I'm thankful for, for God and thankful for you and I'm thankful for all these things. But there's a big difference between being thankful and giving thanks. The Bible primarily tells us to be people who give thanks, not just to be thankful. Giving thanks is an action word. It is giving, expressing it to God in worship with your bodies. It's expressing it through your mouth. It is expressing it to other people by saying thank you for doing this or I really appreciate it. It is giving thanks. To just be grateful and just be thankful is not giving thanks. Over and over and over, it just blew me away. The Bible says we are to give thanks. We are to give thanks. We are, and this, it says, is God's will for us. That we would not just be thankful people, but that we would be people who actually give thanks. And a perfect story that illustrates this, of course, is the one that Jesus told about this, the uh, ten lepers. And I never saw this before really in this either. Uh, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going to, into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were, they were healed. That all 10 lepers were healed of leprosy. Now, do you think they were all thankful? Absolutely. I mean, also like, man, I can get back into community. I can, I can be a part of my family again because they would be ostracized. They would be, they would be put away. You bet they were thankful. But there is a big difference from being thankful and being someone who actually gives thanks. And the story goes on. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at his feet, and there it is, and thanked him. He actually gave thanks. He was not just thankful. He actually went beyond, which Christ calls us to be, be thankful, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? 
Where are the other nine? No one has returned to give praise to God except this foreigner. You know, there's one who was really living in to Jesus' will at that time. It was the one who actually gave thanks. They're all thankful. And I'm sure a lot of us are thankful for life. Thankful for our families. We're, we're thankful that we have food and water and gracious that it's, you know, we live in this beautiful country. Thankful that we can come to church. But are we giving thanks? Are we actually giving thanks? Is that part of our vocabulary? Radically more in our vocabulary than complaining. And here's my thing. I was like, I'm a thankful person, but I probably do a lot more complaining than actually giving thanks because I was like, I actually don't give thanks a lot. I mean, maybe a little bit in my prayer time. It was really convicting with my family because, you know, a lot of times I'm thankful for stuff Marie cooks and thanks, thankful for that she takes care of me and loves me and puts up with me. But it's pretty rare I've actually said, you know, thank you. So thank you, Marie, for... Uh, and thank you. But... Uh, but that's got to be part of us. I just think, imagine what that, how would that change families? Isn't it so good when someone says to you, thank you so much? But we don't really say that a lot in our family cultures because we just begin to take it for granted. I imagine that would change if kids and parents towards each other just began to thank each other for anything they could see. Imagine how this place would change if we just began to thank each other for, you know, being here. Thank you for that encouragement. Thank you for showing up. Just thanking you for your ministry. Uh, just imagine how that would change. Imagine how it would just change our community if we moved from complaining to actually not just thanksgiving, but actually giving thanks. It's interesting, Romans chapter 1, talking about those who have hardened their hearts towards God. It says, for all they, though they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks. Not just thanks, being thanks, they didn't give thanks. This is what the Bible is working. He wants us to be giving thanks. Not just, you know, I'm kind of thankful, but giving thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And this is the tradition uh, why Christians, for instance, pray for their meals. You know, sometimes people think, you know, bless this food to thou my body. I mean, it's not about blessing the food. I mean, there's one verse in Exodus about that, but the majority of times it's thanking God. Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks is the word, he broke it. Uh, Paul gave thanks on the ship in front of everyone, and then they ate in, in that storm on the ship. It's about giving thanks. It's one of the reasons why we come here to worship because actually we give thanks and that's why worship is really hard for some of you because we are so wrapped up in my little world and doing everything that I want and I will and it is hard sometimes to take half an hour and just put all your attention on someone else and give thanks it's really hard because our bridge is really small when it comes to giving thanks and we got to grow that bridge and my goal, man, is just to begin growing the spirit to be more thankful, to express my thanks to you and to my family and to those around me because this is God's will for us. Ephesians 5 says, Sing and make music from your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks. And it's not always being thankful, always actually verbalizing it, acting it. It's an action word. Always giving thanks. And again, Colossians 3. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I like this quote. I'm just going to invite the worship team up, actually. 
What if you woke up today with only the things you thank God for yesterday? I think this is super helpful when it comes to determining are we actually giving thanks or not. Imagine today if you actually only had in your life those things that you actually weren't just thankful for, you actually gave thanks for yesterday. Probably most of us wouldn't have water. Probably most of us wouldn't have a house. Probably most of us wouldn't have, you know, very much food on our table. Some of us wouldn't have our families. Uh, Some of us would not be living in this country. Some of us would not have friends. And it just begins to show us that we are not giving thanks the way perhaps we ought to be giving thanks. And so as we enter into worship, let's ask Daniel to play. And I want to just give us a time where we, in, in silence, or maybe you want to call out, but just a time where you can actually give thanks. And just begin running through those things that, God, what are those things that I'd like in my life tomorrow? And that just helps you begin to understand how thankful we need to be because even the little things, clothes and food and water and friends and family. So let's take a a moment not just to be thankful, but to give thanks to the one whom we know it all and to give thanks to the one who is the giver of good gifts. Let's enter into a time of thanksgiving. So Father, we give you our thanks. God, we give you honor and glory and power for it all belongs to you. Uh, God, we thank you. You're present. We thank you, uh, God, that you love us so much. We thank you, God, that you know, uh, God, our struggles, that you know our joys. And and Jesus, uh, we pray that your will would be done in our midst. We pray that you would do a new work of thanksgiving in our hearts. God, that you would Uh, In Jesus' name, break these bridges of complaining. God, that you do a miracle in our mind that uh, these neurons have wired together. God, that you would just pull them apart and you would supernaturally wire together uh, many neurons in our minds right now, God, when it comes to thanksgiving and gratitude. God, may we be people who walk this world seeing what you're doing, that we would be like Jesus, that we only do and see and say the things that you are doing and you are leading. Help us to be surrendered to you. We owe everything to you. And so, Father, as we close the service, and uh, we just want to honor you, we want to give you thanks. We're going to tell you, God, that you are amazing. You are great. In Jesus' name.